Welcome to the She Sweet Community Podcast, the only show where leading women level up together and share stories, secret strategies, and life lessons on the journey to building a remarkable personal brand. I'm Melissa Don Simpkins, founder of the She Sweet Community and affectionately known as the First Lady of Personal Branding. Over the course of my career, I've built the brands of the world's most renowned influencers, celebrities, executives, and companies. My mission is to empower women just like you with proven strategies to lead with confidence and create your own authentic brand of influence. On this podcast, we will spotlight remarkable leaders who turn the best and brokenhearted times into their own secret sauce of success. With each episode, you will be inspired, learn to push past barriers, and brand a beautiful life on your terms. Plus, access free downloads to help you take action. Now, let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the She Sweet Podcast. How are you feeling today? I'm so excited about this interview, this great conversation with Sherry Shapiro. Now, Sherry is the Senior Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer for Trinity Health. There, she leads system-wide strategic planning, business development, mergers, acquisitions, and partnerships. Prior to working at Trinity Health, she's had an extensive uh, career working in a variety of industries, um, including working at the Charitas Group, a healthcare management consulting firm. She also worked at Ford Motor Company, where she was a part of the lead team that launched the Escape Hybrid, the world's first hybrid SUV. So Sherry has a little bit of branding in her bones. She understands what we talk about and what we love at the She Suite. She holds her MBA with honors in healthcare management from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania and a BS in biopsychology with distinction from the University of Michigan. I love this conversation, a heart-to-heart discussion about leadership, about negotiating and moving through change and doing it strategically, but always owning your worth. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Sherry Shapiro. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are so thrilled to have with us Sherry Shapiro, who is going to talk to us about leading on the next level. Sherry, welcome to the She Sweet podcast. Thanks, Melissa, for having me. Really excited to be here. You know, it's I, I find your your role fascinating in that it has one of my favorite in your job title. You have one of my favorite words, which is strategy, <laughs> chief strategy officer. And it's it's interesting because I find that in our uh, BLI curriculum, one of the courses talks about Brand Leadership Institute, how strategy is one of the most overused words. And it's kind of like brand. People always like to throw it around. What what does strategy mean to you and how do you approach your career and how do you approach this role strategically? Yeah, and, and I appreciate your characterization of the word strategy, and I would agree with it. Um, I'm often having conversations with folks around there's a difference between strategy and initiatives and operations. And mm. it might sound cooler to call something a strategy, but let's let's make sure we, we understand how all the pieces fit together, which which I think is a an interesting kind of um, intro into how I think about strategy. So <laughs> I, I really think about strategy in the most global sense as is really kind of scenario planning uh, as a method of uh of taking a lot of inputs and then 
thinking through how and applying this to an organization, how an organization can influence its market position. Hmm. I love it. Taking in the inputs and defining how you're going to position yourself in the marketplace. And women, you know, we don't think about how strategic our roles are just based on that definition alone. (laughs) Now more than ever, right? With COVID, with just working from home and juggling all of these responsibilities, um, how have you been able to navigate your own career in the midst of change? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because one of the things about strategy is it's always uh, forward looking and as such is about really constant change and constant evolution and constant growth. And so that's kind of become a comfort zone for me. Um, And I have to often remind myself that that is not a comfort zone for most people Mm -hmm. um, who like to kind of operate in the, you know, um, in the current state and kind of keep things um, stable in terms of knowing what to expect and and not having change. So um, to me, when COVID hit, obviously being in healthcare, it kind of took it to a different level because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I wasn't on the front lines, but many of our colleagues uh, were and, and the stories and the day-to-day updates we were hearing, especially early on, it, it just was heartbreaking. Um, and also amazing to see how our organization came together to problem solve, collaborate, and navigate through the change. Um, and, and so, uh, and so, I think it forced the whole organization to do so. Me personally, I, I think I tend to be more comfortable with change and ambiguity as a strategist um, than maybe folks in other roles have been. But, but, but as a leader. Uh, I did, I had to really think through how that impacted my team, my colleagues, my peers, and how it, this might be more, less of a comfort zone for them and, uh, and how I could um, really, you know, have and display empathy for Mm -hmm. their situation and partner and support them in, in helping them navigate, whether it's transitioning to work from home or, or other elements to their, to their lifestyles. Absolutely. And it's, it's an interesting perspective, right? That you, you were thrown into this midst, a midst of change and we have to learn how to adjust. What have been some of the challenges you faced in navigating your career? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing in my career, especially early on um, and having come from the consulting world where I was exposed, I was, I was lucky enough and privileged enough to be exposed to C-suite leaders early on in my career is I was often the youngest person in the room or the only woman in the room in some mm-hmm. key C-suite meetings, you know, as, as someone more junior on the consulting team, but still in the room. And I think sometimes that that led to um, being underestimated or assumptions being made about my role or contribution to the work. Um, and so finding ways to um, politely break through the clutter and contribute um and, and have a voice is something that I had to learn to do early on um, in a value-added way without being disrupted, disruptive, but also to uh, demonstrate the value that I could bring to the table. That is such a powerful position to be in that you've mastered that. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm smiling because I had a conversation with a, a, a woman today in a new 
leadership role. And she said, today I had my first leadership meeting and I was just heart palpitating. I was so anxious. I wasn't sure about how I was going to contribute and what I was going to say. And after it was over, it ended up being just fine. You know, her, her um, senior leader wasn't there and it was her first roadshow. What advice would you give to women who, you know, no matter what their level is, right, they're leveling up and now they're in a new environment, new uh, circle of influence. How do you find your voice and, and how do you kind of know how to contribute in those circles? Yeah. And, and I wouldn't say I've mastered it at all. It's probably been a series of iterative, of just a lot of practice and iterative learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's actually a few kind of key tangible things that I, I, I um, tell young women when I meet with them and mentor them. And, and folks are always surprised by these very um, small, tangible things. But there's a lot of um, nonverbal ways to um, to kind of have the voice and to, and 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 some of those are, are as simple as when you go into a meeting, make sure to take a seat at the table and don't just assume you have to sit around the edges or in the mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, assuming there's enough seats at the table and all sorts of other factors, but you know. And then the other thing, and, and people find this funny, is I always say, you know, and I'm short. I'm only five two. So I always say to, you know, to women who are, especially who are short, you know, make sure to raise the chair up. So you're at (laughs) eye level with all the other people around the Mm -hmm, table. mm -hmm. So those are two very small nonverbal things, but they send a message. I mean, to your point about a personal brand, and I spent some part of my career being a brand manager, um, you know, that all contributes to your presence and the perception that you're bringing to the table before you even open your mouth. And I think those nonverbal things are just as important. Oh, yep. You're talking my language. I I say your brand (laughs) is what you say. It's what other people believe, right? It's that perception and understanding the role that you play, you know, not just to be the victim to others perception, but shaping that that perception. Tell us about your journey. You've done a lot in your career. I'm very eager to have our audience learn about your professional journey. Yeah, thank you for asking. You know, I'm not sure it was a very well mapped out journey. um, But I I, kind of had this for whatever reason, had this kind of inherent passion and desire to really work in healthcare, which is odd because nobody in my family was in healthcare. Um, but I, I just really wanted to do something that was that was impactful, that played a big role in people's lives, and um, was just fascinated by the complexity of healthcare. And and so in my undergrad experience, I, I majored in neuroscience. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to med school, public health school, or business school. Uh, after that. And so went to work at a healthcare consulting firm where I got much deeper into the complexity of healthcare delivery. Most of my clients were hospitals and health systems and really understood a lot more of how the business of healthcare works. Mm -hmm. And also one of my first clients was an academic medical center with a prominent medical school and got a lot more exposure to how medical school works. And, and, um, and I just felt like with my skills, it was a better fit. And I was more excited and passionate about making an impact on the industry from the business side than the clinical side. Mm-hmm. So that led me to go to business school um, after working in consulting and then uh, going to business school. I, I, I really explored a lot of different, I took that opportunity to really explore and learn a lot of different roles, jobs, industries, as well as deepen my knowledge in healthcare. And, and so uh, got very interested in consumer behavior, brand management, and uh, tried my luck in, in um, an internship between my two years of business school at Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, working on the Lipitor brand, a very consumer-oriented mm-hmm. brand, loved brand management, um, 
and uh, ended up getting recruited to Ford Motor Company coming out of business school. And I was one of those, what people called a career changer, because mm-hmm. I went out of business school doing something entirely different than I went into business school doing. <laughs> yeah. And it was a big leap of faith on my part. Mm-hmm. Um, but frankly, I thought if there's any time in my career, this is the time to take that leap of faith when you're just coming out of school and companies are recruiting on campus. And um, it's a time to try new things. So I went to Ford Motor Company, had an amazing experience there. Um And I I was lucky enough to have been the brand manager and launched the Ford Escape hybrid SUV, which was the world's first hybrid SUV, and managed the Ford Escape brand. Um, And then it got to a point in my career where I was like, I love this and I'm learning so much and I'm just intrigued by the consumer world, but I really, really, really missed healthcare Mm -hmm. and the impact and the mission and the the passion I had for it. And so... um, uh, I was kind of at a point in my career where, where at Ford, you had to kind of decide what your path was going to be. And that caused me to do a lot of reflection. And, and um, you know, I found it. And then it happened to be that some old partners I had worked with in my previous firm had started a new firm. They were looking for a marketing and business development director, as well as someone with healthcare consulting experience. And so it just so happened through kind of personal relationships and network. I went to a firm called the Chartist Group, where I stayed, worked my way up to partner. And then my current organization, Trinity Health, was one of my clients. Um, And uh, the woman who was my specific client at Trinity called me one day and said she was leaving to take another role. And, uh, and I said to her, Oh, well, who's going to take your job thinking, you know, thinking that, you know, um, that, you know, just who's going to be my new client. And she said, I don't know, they're going to recruit for it. Are you interested? (laughs) And Again, kind of, you know, leap of faith. I was really happy where I was. I love the complexity of consulting, but I kind of said, well, if there's a time in your career where you get to do the complexity and work in multiple markets, Trinity Health is in 22 markets. So you get to be inside the, the, the complex organization instead of on the outside, still get to work in multiple markets and solve really complex business problems in healthcare. Um, and by the way, on your point about balancing personal and professional, and it didn't require me to relocate and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, relocate my family and my husband who, who has a full-time job and my kids who were in school, I was like, I got to take this leap of faith. So that's kind of what led me, led me here today. I'd like to, I'd like to say that it was, um, it was well planned out, but it was, uh, it was really kind of, I, I think about it as one foot in, one foot out, leveraging skills I have and always looking to learn new skills mm-hmm. and then taking a couple of those calculated leaps of faith. Well, also following your gut, right? I, I, what I heard from that listening to your fascinating journey is that you just came back to your true North Star, which was you really had a passion for healthcare um, and serving and, and mission-driven work. So it sounds like you were able to marry that. And it's exciting to know that you also were able to do it personally. How, how do you juggle you know, being a, a C-suite leader in, in your organization, the position you have, and many women today are really, really stressed um, in this this age of work and well-being, how have you found your rhythm in being able to to navigate those ch- ch- those choices and challenges be- in your personal and professional life? Yeah, it is a great question, and when you find someone who can truly answer that, I would love <laughs> to talk to that person. Um, I, I don't know that I found my rhythm. I, I often say I'm a just-in-time operation, mm-hmm. um, and and so I think you know the serious answer to your question is I have an amazing support system. And my husband is a true partner. Um, he, you know, in in balancing our lives, our household, raising our children, it, it really is a partnership. And so I don't feel um, kind of an imbalance 
mm-hmm. of responsibilities for the home um, that I've heard, you know, a lot of women do feel, even when you have a dual dual working um, family. And then I also leverage a lot of family and and friend relationships in our school community and elsewhere to during the workday, make sure, make sure my kids are getting where they need to go, where they need to be with the stuff they need to have. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it really is a just in time operation. I kind of every day, um, and looking at the next day and planning for the next day and every Sunday sitting down and with my, my kids and my husband saying, okay, what do we need to think about this week? But, uh, it's, it's a constant ability to be agile and, and, um, anticipate, uh, the next thing. Mm-hmm. So, so would you say that you have a secret sauce? We always ask this question to your personal brand. If you do, would you mind sharing it with us? Yeah, I think, you know, on the professional side, um, I don't know if it's the secret sauce, but I have been told that, 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 um, that a lot of, you know, my style is, has, has the yin and a lot of yin and yang in it. Mm-hmm. So uh, that I very much value and demonstrate hard skills, critical thinking, problem solving, analytic rigor, but also value and demonstrate soft skills, communication, caring about people, developing people, empathy, being vulnerable, authentic, communicating. Um, and, and so I would say that about a lot of, of my, my personal kind of secret sauce, which is I'm always seeking to balance those things. Uh, because any situation you're in is, is very complex and it, and it's never, uh, it's never binary. It's never one or the other. So I always seek to think about both the yin and the yang of all scenarios, um, in decision-making, in approaching people, in problem solving, in, in my own professional development. So you sound like you're very balanced. <laughs> I, I try to be. I'm not sure I'm always successful, um, but but I try to look at look at all aspects. I think that comes with my nature of being trained as a strategist and scenario planning, and just thinking about things from different perspectives. So I, I tend to be a, a strategist as well, and one of the things that I struggle with is you know having to try to let go of the control of the future. Right? You scenario plan everything out, and you think you've got five different ways that things can happen. And guess what? It never happens. I actually had one of my former um, bosses say that, you know, the b- best job I took was the one I never applied for. It's very similar to what you talked about. Yeah. So how do you juggle turning it off? You know, what you do every day and how does that impact how you make personal decisions? And do you feel like you, you know, do you struggle with strategizing, you know, things to, to the nth degree? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. You know, I don't know that I've ever um, explicitly stated this, but but I think in my decision making to balance my personal and professional life, there's certain things that are non-negotiables. Um, and so things that would, you know, disrupt my family, um, cause me to, you know, uh, miss, let's say, miss vacations, miss, miss dedicated personal time that I had already kind of carved out and communicated um, miss key events in my, my kids and my, my family's life. Um, you know, that's just, those are just some examples, but I think there are non-negotiables like that from specific events, but also integrity, my values, what I will and won't do. Um, and those have kept me kind of grounded in the true North. Um, and then I would say that I think COVID has really pushed my thinking on that front. Um, 
the benefit of working more from home has uh, enabled me, I think, to get a little more balance with my own personal health and fitness and controlling mm-hmm. what I eat and how I exercise, mm-hmm. uh, which I would say was out of balance before when I was always on the road and traveling and um, probably working, you know, working more hours. So it's the it's the hidden gift, right, that you were able to receive from this this time. Any other things that just thinking about this time of uh, going through COVID and going through this time of change that you would say that you've learned um, that's helped you become a better, better you? You know, I've learned a lot about people around me and in my kind of sphere, various spheres and, and a lot about myself. So I think you alluded to it earlier, you know, my comfort level with change and ambiguity is, is maybe at a higher tolerance, tolerance levels than others. But I've also learned a lot about how different people react to crisis, to problem solving, to change. And as a leader, it's really helped me understand how to reach people in different ways and communicate to people in different ways, given the mindset they're in and, you know, in the state of that, of that crisis. That's a great point because I hope that what we've taken from all of this is a deeper level of compassion, right? Because we, we didn't see some of the things that we see now more clearly because what we've had to go through, it's been that test of faith, that test of trust, that test of endurance, all of those things that this season has brought for us. Um, and I think what you said is, is absolutely true as a leader. What are some of the books or tools or resources that you find most helpful to you and that maybe you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Yeah, this is, you know, I've read a lot of leadership books and I have an MBA and, and all that, and, you know, and, and have been exposed to a lot. And and the one book that I read probably in the last, you know, three years of, of my career or my life was a book called Leadership on the Line by, by Marty Linsky and Ronald Heifetz. And it really just spoke to me in a different way than any other leadership book had spoken to me. It was, it was very clear about delineating management versus leadership and uh, and what it means to truly lead and manage through change and help organizations and people manage through change. Um, and and you know, a lot of things that you would see in a traditional leadership book, but in a in a slightly different light about the grief process, if you will, and uh, of managing through change. And it also really highlighted what it feels like to be a leader when you're managing through change and how it can often be lonely, frustrating, um, and, and, um, and you often have to seek, you know, seek advice outside of the situation you're currently trying to change, um, in order to be an effective leader. And so I thought it just approached it from a, a really, a way that just really spoke to me, um, you know, in, in a book, in a way that no other leadership book had spoken to me. And then the other thing, I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, and, uh, and I'm just, a, I became fascinated with consumer behavior and people, you know, people behavior. And I think it's a combination of my, my neuroscience kind of brain and behavior background, as well as my brand management background. And so I listen to um, behavioral economics podcasts and other leadership podcasts, uh, particularly work life by Adam Grant and mm-hmm. uh, choiceology by Katie Milkman. I just find both fascinating to just entertaining, but also fascinating and applicable to my, my personal and professional life. And then of course, now the she suite will be added to my <laughs> my list of podcasts. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's it's um it's this quest of constantly learning, growing and changing, right? And it's to me that's life. That's the power of 
choice and the power that we have to be better. And we, we just love sharing stories of amazing women who are doing just that. Um, and, and for those who are feeling a little challenged or stalled, what would you say would be your, your tip to help them kind of move past the rut that they're in right now that maybe you've experienced, you've observed that you've, um, seen work for you? Yeah, I think there's a number of ways to tackle it and people have to find what works for them. Um, but various tactics that I think work is the general theme is in general is just taking a step back, hmm. take a step back, remove yourself from the situation, take a walk, take, you know, just take yourself into a totally new space um, and then reflect. And And a lot of people reflect in different ways, whether it's use of meditation techniques, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, but it could also be there's various worksheets to fill out or journaling or, you know, uh, quizzes people take. But I, I think taking that step back and just reflecting on the big picture um, mm-hmm. often leads us to different answers than, than when we're bothered by one or two small things that might be pushing us in, in a direction that we're not aware of. Yeah. You know, I recently did something I'd never done before, which is I took a solo vacation and it was a mini like four days by myself. And it was just what you said. It was just what I needed to step away and to really reflect. And I brought a journal, an empty journal, and I I came back with several pages filled out. I wrote several questions. Some I had answers to some, I still don't have answers to, but it was such a great time to just pour into me, you know, and take that moment to step away from everything else. And everyone doesn't have the time or the energy or the money to just step away from life for four days. But I think that practice is what you're saying. And I love it because it's something I'm constantly challenging myself to do. So great tips, great insight. And I think it's super brave to take a vacation by yourself. Um, Uh. (laughs) But it also allows, it also allows for that extra self-care and and time. But I think there's also ways to step away, like just take a 20 minute walk. Yes. Uh, My brain never shuts off. So I can't just be pure exercise or pure whatever. And so for me, taking a walk often helps me work through things that I'm contemplating that I, that it <laughs> gives me fresh perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just finding the simple things that you can do. And and one of the things I, I wanted to just share that I thought was pretty fascinating that I, um, I now know about you is that you're also a Jewish leader in a Catholic organization. And so we think about diversity and inclusion. And obviously as a woman of color, we talk about it from uh, my perspective as a black female, but I'd love to hear your um, perspective on that, just given your unique background and how that's impacted how you lead. Yeah, I I get asked about that really often, especially when I first took the job at Trinity Health. Um, And, you know, I'm, you know, Jewish values and, and, and my Jewish heritage is very deeply rooted in me. My grandparents are Holocaust survivors. I grew up my entire life understanding, studying, and um, having tremendous empathy and and, um, kind of activism, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, empathy for for any people or community that that have have that are hated or have hate crimes against them. And also, you know, activism against hate in general, and that's continued to to grow and perpetuate in my life. And and one of the things I love about being a C-suite leader now is the ability to um, have a voice around our organizational um, efforts around diversity, equity, and inclusion in my in my professional life, 
in, in my personal life, it's caused me to get more deeply involved in uh, community organizations where I can make an impact. Um, and, and so that kind of, that, that drive, um, you know, to that activism against hate has always been inherent in me. And I think what it has also done, and, and especially early in my career, I was often the only Jewish person in the room or in the in the town mm -hmm. as, as I was traveling for consulting. I was often in places where there, there weren't really any Jews. And so I was very conscious of um, the other or being the other or being perceived as the other, depending on what I was saying or talking about or whatever. Um, and and so I'm, I'm, I really value uh, the other's perspective and the value of, of being the other. And I always try to bring people in and have them talk about themselves and learn about, learn about them and their lives, um, in both my personal and professional life. So that, that's been really important to me and, and driven a lot of my leadership style. Um, but I would say, you know, being a Jewish leader in a Catholic organization, uh, folks would often find that as a, as a juxtaposition, but I think there's a lot more similarity than there are differences. And at the end of the day, the underlying values are very similar of both the Catholic social teachings and Jewish values. And I do think the diversity of thought and the diversity of perspectives and the diversity of culture and backgrounds at the executive level table is really important because we as an organization serve millions of people around the country and everybody needs health care and uh, they're all from all walks of life. And I think it's always important to keep that front and center uh, in what we do as an organization. Absolutely. It's about bridging the gap and finding ways to, you know, come to commonality. And it's, it's so, it's so interesting and actually important to share your story in the way that you have, and also to be that, um, that person that others can look to and say it's possible. Um, so thank you so much for, for joining us on the She Sweet podcast. I'd like to close with asking you one piece of advice that you think that all women um, should really move forward from, from this conversation. If you had one thing that you could share that you'd say, this is what sums it up in terms of what I think women should listening should do and take action on, what would that be? Oh gosh, that's a big question. Um, it could be laugh more. It could be, you know, do whatever it's, it's, it doesn't have to be heavy. It's just, what is something that you feel yeah. that you're very passionate about? I think one, you know, one, in addition to the tangible things that, you know, kind of the sl small, silly, but tangible things I told you about earlier, you know, I think my one piece of advice I would say to women, just from my observations of how I've seen women approach for advocating for themselves is, uh, advocate for yourself from a place of strength and value you bring and not from a place of asking for permission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Know your worth. That's right. That's know right. your worth and get your worth. I love it. Sherry, thank you so much for being with us on today's episode. We welcome you to the She Sweet community and we truly enjoyed having you on our show. Melissa, thank you so much. This has been fun and I, I so appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the She Sweet Community Podcast. Make sure to head on over to the SheSweetCommunity.com forward slash podcast to subscribe and stay up to date on all of the latest news. Catch you on the next episode.